Good morning and welcome. I'm Pastor Corey. I'm the pastor of missions and young adults. What a great morning it is to be here. On Thursday night in Satellite, we were learning about Miriam. Miriam played an important role in the Exodus. She was the older sister of Moses. And if Moses represented the law and his brother Aaron represented the high priest, then the high priesthood, then Miriam represented the arts and worship. And she led her people in in that way. God used her in that way. What an incredible time to worship God together. It's challenging, though. A few glitches earlier today that maybe you didn't see. I don't want to point them out to you. But it is challenging to get in front and to lead. And Danica on the keys, she was a little bit nervous about starting one of the tracks and doing that. She did a phenomenal job. I just want to point out, good job, Danica. I don't know if she could hear me as she walks out, but she will die a hundred deaths that I mentioned her from up here. But it is challenging to lead because if we all got together and we made a list of how we worship God, how we best worship God, how we best engage in worship of God, it would look very different. Um, The list would be as many as there are people in the room. Some of us, We like contemporary music. Some of us, we um, worship better. We engage better with God singing the hymns. Some, it's opening scripture. Just give me the word, and that is worship for me. Some, it's quietly praying to God, and some, it's corporately praying with others to God. When you go to South America, and they go to a time of prayer in their churches, the person up front prays, and everybody else joins them. But they don't, we join by bowing our heads and agreeing quietly in our seats, they join by praying out loud as well. And so the whole room erupts in a chorus of prayer. And it's different, but it is worship. And so it is great to be together in the body of Christ, worshiping God this morning. And hopefully, uh, one of the elements that has been presented um, will touch you and put you in contact with God in a deeper way. That's what missions is about, um, reaching out to those who know Christ, as well as reaching out to those who don't and engaging them um, in a way that that presents the gospel. So hopefully that is what Missions Sunday is to you this morning. There are a bunch of great missionaries here this morning, and we have an opportunity to love and support them, to speak to them, and to tell them we appreciate what they are doing. I guarantee as you visit the tables, you will be blessed. There was a sweet moment earlier where um, two sisters made eye contact on stage, and one of the sisters winked at the other one. Just a, a wink of encouragement. And that was two sisters encouraging one another, but it was also members of the family of Christ encouraging one another. And we have opportunities today to find a missionary and wink at them, to just give them love and support, to let them know you're praying for them. We as a church are very supportive of missions. I don't know if you know this or not, but 12% is added to our budget. So we come up with a budget at the end of the year, and when that budget is finalized and approved... 12% is added on to that. So making it simple, let's say our budget was $100. Praise God, it's not $100. But if it were $100, um, once that budget was approved, we would take $12 and add to that budget and give that $12 to missions. It's even more impressive when you think about what our budget actually is and what actually goes out to missionaries. And that's not where it stops. Many of you give above and beyond um, that So we appreciate it very, very much. Missionaries are blessed all over. Recently, there was a a need expressed to us uh, by a missionary in the field. And Corn and Ninao C had some needs that they needed met. Serious needs. 
needs that meant whether or not they stayed in Thailand, whether or not they would continue to serve there. There was talk of them coming home, work undone, work not finished. The work that God called them to wasn't finished, but the finances weren't there. So Pastor John and I got together and we said, how do we present, best present this need to the congregation? And we did that one Sunday morning, you might remember. And by the end of our two services, pledges had been made to meet those needs. That's what you guys are doing in missions. You in this room, that's what you're doing in missions. We were able that day, that Sunday, at the end of our services, to email Cornini Now See and let them know that their needs were being met that there were pledges that came in to meet every need they had and, and even beyond that. That's an incredible blessing. It set them free to do ministry. It means that they get to continue for the next year doing what God has called them to do and hopefully complete the work that God has called them to in Thailand. You guys did that. And you may have received the thank you from Cornini now that said, thank you for allowing us to do ministry. Thank you for loving and supporting us. So many needs are met in the field when we come together and worship and we pray for these missionaries. Caroline Coyle is continuing to heal from back surgery. And you guys continue to bless her and pray for her and reach out to her. And we appreciate that. That's what's being done in this room. That's what you guys are doing to engage missionaries, local, statewide, across the United States and across the world. We support as a church 40 missionaries and organizations. It's incredible. That is incredible. That's the work you guys are doing around the world we live in. You come here on Sunday and you spend time together worshiping God. There's work going on around the world because we gather together here. I hope I communicated that well this morning. Um, I think I communicated it better in the first service than I did this one, but uh, hopefully you understand what I'm saying. You know, and I would, I would challenge you and encourage you, just as we um, reached across the ocean and winked at Cornini Now Sea, that you get an opportunity to talk to missionaries and to encourage them and to bless them. That is the family of Christ. That is who we are. So good job, Grace Community Church. Pat yourself on the back. I appreciate you. Our missionaries appreciate you. And this morning is about appreciating you and your work in missions and them and their work in missions. I have an opportunity to introduce to you Show Braden. She is with Care Pregnancy Center. She does a great work over there. Since becoming uh, the pastor of missions, she's become a dear friend. Cheryl is somebody who um, reaches out to people who need the services of Care Pregnancy Center, but also if you become her friend, you do that by just introducing yourself to her. She will care for your needs as well. She's that type of person. She will ask you a lot of questions about yourself and what you're going through. And before you know it, you'll be pouring your heart out to her and she will be praying for you. And she will remember that for months. That's the type of friend that she is. So this morning, she's going to talk about missions. She's going to talk about Care Pregnancy Center and what's going on over there and encourage and challenge you to get more involved. Cheryl Braden. Wow, good morning, Grace. So excited to be with you. Thank you, Pastor Corey. It's always, he always uh, puts his name on the line whenever he has someone to come speak, so I promise I won't embarrass you. I did last service, he wasn't here, but I gotcha. <laughs> so excited to be here, because God is alive, he's working, he's moving, and you know, the mission that he's called us all to is to know him and to make him known. That's our journey on this life. That's simply it, to know him and to make him known. And when he was on this earth, he loved with a reckless abandon 
I'm the director of two centers, one in Visalia. We just opened one in Tulare. I'm going to tell you more about that in a little bit. But God is just doing amazing works. And all these missionaries that you see out there, you need to go visit them, talk with them. They have amazing stories of God moving on behalf. And a lot of times he's moving on behalf of people and they don't even know it because it's, he's all about where are these people at and where can I take them? So, so there's this reckless love that he has and it's something that he's called each one of us to. It's the kind of love that we've received from him. You see with him, he was all in. His mission was to love without conditions, unhindered and a relentless kind of love that would go to any length to pursue the heart of his creation. He came on this earth knowing full well that many would reject him, that many would misunderstand him, yet he still pursued them and he continues to pursue them even today. It's the love that he expressed to the woman at the well, to the disciples, including Judas, even though he knew the end story. It's the love that he had for the Pharisees and Sadducees, even though he was on the mountain crying because he wanted them. He said, I just wanna gather them as my children together. As a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, he just wanted to bring them in and say, all I have for you is this unconditional, reckless kind of love that's all in with you. See, his love is hard for us to understand because as humans, we have hooks in our love. I'll love you if, I love you when, and all Jesus says is, I love you. End of story. See, when we are on mission with God, that's the kind of love that he calls us to. And as we spend the Sunday focusing on missions, both globally and here at home, it's that heartbeat that draws us to love people with reckless abandon. Loving even though we may not get the desired result. Loving individuals through their journey, realizing that their journey will often look vastly different than ours and oftentimes it's a very messy journey. But nonetheless, still loving with a patient and enduring love, realizing that God works on the hearts and the minds of mankind and we're simply just to be a vessel letting him do his thing in his time, in his way. It's a love that's not deserved, it's not earned, but it's one that chases each of us down. And in the words of Corey Asbury, he said, God didn't and doesn't have a plan B. He's all in. God loves in a way where he's utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his action in regards to his safety, his well-being, or comfort. He loves because that is simply who he is. I had the opportunity to watch God love with this reckless abandoned love. I had a young girl come into our center. If you don't know what we do, we're the, we're the hands and feet on the ground when, when women as young as 13, as old and 50, as 51 is facing an unplanned pregnancy and they need some help. They may have questions. They may have fear. They may not have hope. And we get to journey through life with them and it's amazing to see what God does in their lives. But I had a young girl walk into the office and she sat down and she was very quiet natured, but she sat down and she said, I just want you to know that if this test comes back positive that I'm not gonna keep this baby, I'm not gonna have this baby. And I began to pray, God, first let this test be negative. And if it is positive, God, give me the words that will still her fear, that will bring her hope because how many of you know that fear is temporary? Fear is a feeling that we f express 
through different ways, but fear is temporary, but regret is forever. So getting our young girls to get beyond the hopeless feeling and say, you know what, this, there's this God in heaven who's got it. Don't answer your problems with man's way, but answer your problems with God's way. So as she sat there and the test, we started doing the test and I heard her story and, and she said, you know, it, it, if it's positive, I'm not gonna have this baby because I'm supposed to be the one in my family that's gonna go to college. I'm 18, I just graduated high school. I've got my goals, I'm ready to move forward. And as the test came back positive, my spirit just began to pray, God, would you speak to her heart in a way that I could never? So we talked for about an hour and a half I talked to her about how mamas can still go to college, how you're not alone. I talked to her about all of her different options. And at the end of that hour and a half, she very hesitantly said that she maybe could do this. And I said, I want you to know that you're not on your own because that's what we do. We journey through the messiness with people because we're all a mess. Somebody journeyed through my life with me. Somebody's journeyed through your life with you. And that's the commitment that God made to us. I'm gonna journey through your life, through the good and the bad and the ugly. And so she lived 30 minutes away. She didn't have a way to get to us. In fact, her boyfriend had brought her to us. They were supposed to go to Planned Parenthood and surprise found themselves in our office. How many of you know God's in everything? And so I committed to her once a week, I'm gonna drive 30 minutes and I'm gonna come see you and I'm gonna walk you through this. So I found a church, don't you love the body of Christ? They didn't know me, I didn't know them. I just called them and said, I, I need a room. Can I use a room in your church? And they said, absolutely. So we began to meet in there every week and a couple of months into about a month and a half, at 2 a.m. my phone goes off by my bed and I hear this text come through and I open my eyes and I look at it and it's from her. I'm gonna give her the name Stephanie. And Stephanie says, Cheryl, things have gotten really hard and I just don't think I can do this. I need to talk to you again about abortion. And I said, let me come see you tomorrow. So I called up my friend who had a very similar story to her. I said, you gotta come with me. I need you to share your story with her. So we met at a park. We sat at a little table. And my friend began to share her story with her, how she was the same age and how she was supposed to go to college and she was supposed to do all these things and have all these accomplishments and success in the world and how she had found herself pregnant, but fear overcame her and she didn't choose life for her child that day. And at the end of her story, I looked at Stephanie, and I said, Stephanie, I go, I go, what are you thinking? And she said, Cheryl, I just don't want that to be part of my story. And I said, it doesn't have to be, and we're in this with you, 100%. See, we tell our girls every time they leave, no matter what you choose, we're still here for you. Because we often think a story starts and ends at a certain part, but God is always working on our stories and we don't know where we are in their journey. We may be the pulling of the weed, we may be tilling, we may be planting, we may be harvesting, we don't know. But all of our, our only thing that we can do is love recklessly. And so I said, I'm in this with you. So we kept meeting week after week after week and all of a sudden one day this lady came into my office and she had this envelope and she says, I have a gift for one of your teen moms. I don't know who she is, God just put it on my heart. It's a financial gift. I don't even need to run it through the center for a tax write-off. I just feel in my heart I need to give this to somebody. Do you have somebody? Well, absolutely. <laughs> See, my young girl, Stephanie, she was living with her grandma, her aunt and uncle, cousins. There was about eight people in this tiny little 800 square foot, little tiny two-bedroom little house. And she needed to stay where she was because we had gotten her enrolled in college. 
But I knew that she couldn't stay there very long because her grandma's like, you need to find a place to live. You can't stay here. And so in my heart, I'm like, God, we just need to keep praying for her that God's gonna open this door. When the lady walked in with the envelope, I called her, I said, hey, I need to come see you tomorrow. So she got in the car and she was struggling and she was going through some tough times. And, and I said, you know what, Stephanie? I said, I have this envelope for you and, and I don't know what all is in it, but before you open it, I want you to know that this is not a gift from me. And this is not a gift from the center. A lady walked into my office and gave it to me. She lives 30 minutes from you. It's not even a gift from her. But when you open this, I want you to know that this is a gift from God. And your entire life, there will be hills and there will be valleys. And when you go through the valleys, I want you to look back on today and I want you to know in the core of your heart that there's a God in heaven who looks after you, who has your back, who will always be there with you, who will never leave you, who will never forsake you. Because when you're in that next valley, I want you to look back on today. So she opened the envelope and she took out a $20 bill. Now she probably had like two bucks to her name. And then another 20 and another 20 and another one. It was $1,000. And I said, that is because there's a God in heaven who fiercely and recklessly loves you. And as time went on, we began to continue to meet at the church. And she came in one day and she looked terrible. She's about seven months pregnant. Just a little tip, never tell a pregnant woman she looks terrible, never. Just trust me on this one, don't do it. <laughs> tell her she looks beautiful. But she came in and I said, Stephanie, I go, are you feeling okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. I go, are you sick? And she goes, no, I'm fine. So at that time I had two, I had two teenagers still and I said, um, Stephanie, you're lying to me. I said, what's happening? And she said, I got kicked out of my grandma's house a week ago. And I'm like, where have you been? Why did you not call me? What have you been doing? And she said, well, I, you know, stay around campus during the day. I try to eat lunch there. And then my boyfriend, he got me an apartment, I mean, a hotel at night because this is my week of finals. I'm trying to finish my finals for college. So I went out and I talked to the receptionist. I'm like, you need to call everybody you know. Don't you love the body of Christ? <laughs> and I'm gonna call everybody I know, but we need to find this girl a house. So I got connected with this woman, woman and she says, I have a room, but it's only for about a month. I'm like, that's fine, it'll buy me some time. We moved her in, I made her bed for her. She fell asleep for 14 hours and I began to pray, God, bring her not a house, but bring her a home with someone who will care for her. So somebody gave me this first name of this girl with a phone number and they said, you know what? She has a house for like teen moms. And I'm like, wow, this is gonna be great. So I call her up and I, I'm trying to vet her because by now Stephanie's like my daughter, right? And I'm trying to make sure the house I'm gonna send her to is gonna be good and she's trying to vet me because she's got other girls making sure that I'm not gonna bring this troublemaker that's gonna mess everything up. So we keep talking and finally she goes, Cheryl, what's your last name? And I, I said, it's Braden. And she goes, do you have kids? And I said, I do, I told them their names. And then there was this long pause and then there's this chuckle and I'm like, she said, Cheryl, I'm your son's history teacher. I coach your daughter in soccer. I didn't know her last name when they gave it to me. They just gave me her first name and you never know your, the teacher's first name, right? You just, even though she's young, I still call her Miss whatever. And she said, I gotta tell you a story. She said, when I moved to this town, I prayed this audacious prayer and I said, God, if you send me a house, I'll take care of your kids. So two weeks later, I'm sitting in this restaurant and this man walks up to me and he has these keys and he slides them across the table and he says, I hear you need a house. Here you go. 
Because you see, there's this God up in heaven who looks across the entire world and he sees this young girl trying to figure things out and make decisions and he moves upon the heart of this woman to give $1,000 and then he moves upon this heart of this 26-year-old woman who prays an audacious prayer, God, if you give me a house, I'll take care of your kids, who moves upon the heart of a man to give a house to her so one young girl will have a home to live in. You can't tell me he doesn't care about us individually. And my girl Stephanie had no idea all this stuff that was working on her behalf. So as time went on, it came time, and I get the phone call, and she's like, hey, Cheryl, you know, I think it's that time. I'm going to the hospital. I'm like, I'll be right there. So we get up there. She's going through labor, and it's so fun. <laughs> I'm just like, you don't tell them everything, you know, because... <laughs> And so she's gone, and finally, after a while, she gets the epidural. I'm like, oh, it's great. Now everything, you're just, you're at the end. No problem. You've done all the hard work. And an hour goes by, and two, and three, and four, and five, and six. And all of a sudden, there's all this flurry of nurses and doctors. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not good. They're looking at the heartbeat. And the doctor goes, hey, we, uh, we need to take her in for a C-section, and we need to take her in right now. And all of a sudden, they start whisking around. She's looking at me with fear in her eyes. And she said, will you go in with me? Because it's her, it's me, and the house mom. Absolutely. So I put the gown on, put the cap on, messed up my hair, went in there anyway. And I'm sitting there, and, and you know, you have this little window to her right there. And I'm like, honey, you're doing great. It's almost over, you know. She's crying. And all of a sudden, they pull the baby out. And he's crying. He's screaming. He looks great. And I said, he looks so beautiful. And I get this tap on my shoulder, and it's the nurse. And he's like, hey, do you want to come cut the umbilical cord? I'm like, oh, yeah, I do. I do. So I go, over there, I go over there, and I cut the umbilical cord, and I look at this little baby boy who God has so intervened on his behalf. And my little Stephanie, who made the brave step. And as we walked him back to the room, it was me and the nurse, and then he left me and the house mom with this baby, and I called her, I said, come here. We're gonna dedicate this baby to God. He's gonna be a voice for God to this world. Because see, there's this God up in heaven who looks down this entire world and sees this one young girl trying to make a good decision and works upon the heart of this, this woman to give her $1,000, who works upon the heart of this other woman to say, Give me a house, God will take care of your kids. Who moves upon the heart of this man to give this woman a house so that this young girl could have a safe place to live and raise her baby. You can't tell me that God is not in the details. You can see this is what our role is. In Isaiah 40, it says, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley should be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. See, this is our job. We have people over here who don't know him or who are confused about him or have been hurt by people who say they're Christians. And then you have God over here and he's calling them and he's wooing them, but they have all these obstacles. And our job is to raise those valleys up, to bring the mountains low, to chop those trees down, to make this road that's straight for them and say, he's over there. 
And if you run to him and if you get to God, he will change everything in your life. That doesn't mean your problems are gonna be over, but he's the one that brings hope. And sometimes it's us grabbing their hands and running them on that journey with them and saying, come on, don't stop, don't stop. Because if you get to him, he will completely and radically change your life because he loves recklessly. Sometimes we don't know how the story's gonna go and it doesn't go exactly the way that we want it to. None of our lives have been what we've planned out. If you're over 25 in here, you know that. But God loves with a reckless abandon. Not every girl who walks into our center chooses life. But we always tell them, whatever you choose, we're here for you because that, I know their story is not over. And if you're here today, one out of four women will have an abortion. Six out of 10 women in an abortion clinic on Monday have been to church that month. Christian girls are more apt to abort than non-Christian girls are because we've been told there's more to lose, right? So the way we bring people along, the way the body of Christ walks alongside people, but I do know this, a person's story is not over if they don't choose life. We had one girl walk in, she saw her baby on an ultrasound, we talked to her about all of the options, we talked to her about everything. She left that day and she didn't choose life and we said to her, you are always welcome back here always. She came back to us four days later. She said, everything you told me was true. And if I could go back and change it, I would. And I don't know what to do now. I just feel this emptiness inside of me. And I don't know. I feel like I'm going crazy. I don't know what to do. All I know is you told me to come back here and I'm here. I'm all stay with us. Your story's not over. And she kept coming back every week. One night I came back to the center late at night for a board meeting and our director of client services is still there and she's in her office and she's in tears. And I'm like, what's wrong? <laughs> like, you're not even supposed to be here. She goes, you know that girl that we've been praying and interceding for? You know the one? I said, I do. She said, she gave her heart to the Lord today. See, God loves recklessly without abandon. And he's all in and he's calling us. He's calling us as his body believers. For some reason, he's chosen mankind to be his hands and his feet, to be part of those miracles, to be part of what he does in people's life. Because this is what he says in Isaiah 61. He says to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of splendor. Notice what happens in that verse. When God comes, he flips everything around. The world will come and they'll say, you're gonna mourn for the rest of your life. The world will come and say, all you have are ashes. The world will come and say, all you have is despair. And God says, nope, not on my watch. Because what I've done is I've done with, a, I've loved with a reckless abandon, he says. I'm gonna take that mourning and I'm gonna provide comfort. I'm gonna take those ashes and I'm gonna provide beauty. I'm gonna take that despair and I'm gonna put in a spirit of praise in that person. Because if you've walked with God long enough, you're gonna know that he takes our lives and he switches them around. And when people look at us, they see this thing of beauty, of joy. And they're like, what is different about you? Let me tell you about my God. And we become this display, this beautiful, our valley's known for the oak trees and they're just majestic. But when God steps into a person's life, he completely changes it around 
and we exalt him and we show people who he is and we show him his glory. That's why I know a person's story is never over. In fact, John's, John's disciples came up to Jesus and they said, when John was in prison, are you really, are you really the Messiah? Are you really who people are saying you are? And he says this, go back and tell John this. Go back and report to John what you have seen. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And I'm here today to tell you that the blind do still see. Sometimes it's not the blindness that we think. They may be able to see with their physical eyes, but they don't see. But I'm here today to tell you that God still cures their eyes and they still see the truth, that they still are now able to hear him and hear his truth, that those that are dead in their heart, dead in their spirit, that he's raising them back up to life. And it's the most beautiful picture that you will ever see. All of the missionaries that are here, they're on mission for one thing. See, we all just have our tool. Ours is the unplanned pregnancy. You may have a campus life out there and there's just tutoring kids. You may have the person in Iraq that's teaching somebody English. You, everybody has a tool, but do you know what it really is? It's to get to the heart of that person. But to get to the heart of the person, you have to love them with a reckless abandon, without concern for the end results, because that's not our responsibility, that's God's. Our responsibility is to love recklessly. It's been on my, it has been on my heart for years to bring a center to Tulare. We've been in Visalia for over 30 years, and I got a call from somebody in the Tulare City Schools. She said, Cheryl, you have to bring a center to Tulare. Our girls can't get to you there. And in my mind, I was like, what? Just get in the car and go. She goes, you don't understand. Our girls don't even get out of Tulare. They may get to you for a pregnancy test, maybe, but they're not going to get to you for your continual services. And I'm like, that's what we do best. And so I began to pray and I began to intercede. God, just open the doors for us to get to Tulare. And as I did, nothing was working out and just time after time went by. So finally, at the end of November last year, I was in my room, I'll never forget it. I got down on my knees and I said, God, I give the center back to you in Tulare. Maybe it's just not the right time. And a week later, I had this pastor call me in Tulare. He said, Cheryl, I want you to drive by this place and see if you think it would work for a center. And I'm like, what? I just kind of shut that down in my mind. I was moving on, right? So I go and I look at it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's really similar to our Visalia office. It's got a front porch. It's got a fireplace. It's that homey feel so the girls don't walk in and feel all sterile and cold like a medical office. So he says, I want you to come talk to the owner. So I come talk to the owner. And before I get there, I'm... I'm like, yeah, well, we just don't have any money, but so I'm terrible. I'm terrible at fundraising. I really should not have the job that I have. I just, when my kids were in Little League, I'm like, how many tickets do you need to sell? Let me just write a check. You know, I'm just like, we're just not even going to ask, so I'm terrible. But I just thought, okay, here, I, I have no money to start a new center in Tulare. Like, we're just making ends meet in Visalia, but I'm like, but I know we need to be there. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask this guy for two years free rent. Like, I never do that. I just don't do that. I'm like, let me just give to you instead, right? So I go, I drive up to the church, and I'm like, I am not getting out of this car. I'm not going to have this conversation. Get out of the car, Cheryl. I'm like, I am not getting out of this car. It was literally this conversation in my head for five minutes. So finally, I'm like, get out of the car. So I get out, and I'm talking to him. I tell him about the mission of the center and what we do. And um, so he goes, okay, yeah. He goes, that's really something that, you know, my wife and I would like to be a part of. He goes, how about this? Now, I haven't asked him. I'm like, you know still dreading my question. 
He goes, how about we charge you like $400 a month in rent? I'm like, wow, that's actually pretty good, right? He goes, and then I donate the same amount back. And I'm all, I'm not really good at math, but I think that's a free building. <laughs> you know, I don't know. And I'm just like, I got out of my car and I'm just crying. I'm like, God, you did that. I didn't even have to ask the guy. I didn't even have to ask him. He like gave me this building. And then as we go, I'm like, I, I, I need some walls and I need some door, but I don't have any money. So I call this guy. I'm like, hey, you know how to put up walls and doors? Why don't you come just take a look at it? So he looks and I tell him a few stories. And he's like, yeah. I go, I go so how much? He goes, I'll do it for free. Wow. And then I go and I need this alarm system. The guy's like, I'll do it for free. I have no furnishings for this brand new place. So I talk to this church who gets this furniture and they're like, oh yeah, we can donate all that for free. You know what I found? I found for the body does not consist of one part, but of many. And while the guy was putting the wall in, he had no idea what was on my heart, but my heart was like, God, you moved on all these people's hearts to do the thing that they could do. Like, I can sit in front of a girl and talk to her. I can't put up a wall. I don't have any money for furniture. But the thing that I've learned about mission and about God and how he does it is he uses every single one of our gifts and none of them are the same. But they all have to come and work together to make his mission happen. So even the missionaries that you see out there, they may be the ones that are taking the step across foreign soil or on a public school campus or talking to a young scared girl, but they can't do it without everybody doing their piece. And I'm just amazed at how this body of Christ, how you guys do your thing and you do it well, but to love with a reckless abandon. See, when I moved here, I, uh, I heard about cows, but this is where I'm from. I'm from Buffalo territory. So I grew up in North Dakota. People actually do live there, not covered wagons either. We do have homes. But when I moved here, when we bought our first house, they you know, kept giving you paper after paper after paper. And they gave me this paper that, said, that I had to sign that said I wouldn't sue um, for cases of smells. And I started laughing. I thought it was a joke. I thought, oh, she's hilarious, right? So I start laughing and she looks at me and she's not laughing. I looked at my husband and I'm like, he's from the Valley. I'm like, how bad does it get if I have to sign this paper, right? And so I learned about cows and their nice little smells that they have, right? There's something different about cows and buffaloes. In fourth grade, I learned about buffaloes and Indians while you all learned about missions. See, what happens in a storm when, you when you're a cow, you're gonna run, you're just gonna scatter. There's this crazy storm coming, but buffaloes, they take all of the young, the sick, the infirmed, they put them in the middle and they run directly through the storm and the strong ones are on the outside and they're helping those that are weaker to get through that storm. Because I look at our girls all the time, yes, you do have a storm in your life. Yes, it is overwhelming, but we're gonna get through the storm with you. And when you get on the other side of the storm, it's gonna be life and there's gonna be growth and it's gonna be beautiful and it's gonna be amazing. See David, what was said about him, it says, now when David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. We each have a purpose that God has put in our life. And God calls us to live out that purpose because there's a time when we're gonna be in the grave and our body's gonna be decayed. But what is the legacy that we're gonna leave 
for this world that we live in and every one of us is called to something and it's not all the same and there isn't one that's more important than the other. That's why the verses of the body of Christ is so powerful that we each do our thing. And I just wanna thank this body of Christ, how they have recklessly loved without abandon by the way that you give. You see, Cornelius, I'm gonna close with this last verse. Cornelius in the book of Acts. This is what was said about him. He's a Roman centurion and it said, he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. And it was said about him, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. And I feel like that is what's said about this church, that your prayers, when you pray for those that you support, that they go up as a memorial offering to God, that when you give of your hard-earned money, I know the guy who was putting up our walls, he could have been working and making money. He gave up that day to do that for us that your offerings as you give them as unto the Lord, that they go up as this memorial offering to God. And he's like, that's my girl. That's my guy, they get it. They get that this is not their home. That they live with an eternal perspective, that this, all this stuff is just temporary. You can take it, you can burn it, my house comes here or there, but it's what I do with my time, my talent and my treasure is what is my memorial offering to God. And he looks at this church and he's like, man, these people, this body of Christ, they get it. They give of their time and their talent and their treasure so that my reckless love will be shown all over this world. I'm just one of the missions that are out there. There's amazing people out there. Get to know them. But I do know this, that when you take that uncomfortable step and you say, God, I'm gonna love with a reckless abandon and not be concerned about the end result, but just to love recklessly. You'll watch him and you'll see him do miracles. Let me pray for you. God, Lord, you just love us with a reckless abandon. You don't have hooks in your love. You don't have, I love you if, I love you when. You just simply say, I love you. And we who know your love are called to love others with that same amount of love. Lord, you've gifted each person in here with purposes and with plans. May we live out the things you put in our heart, whether that's to go, to serve, to give, to pray, whatever it is that we would be all in. God, I pray for blessings on this church like never before. I pray for the relationships and the bonding with this family here like never before, that they would be on mission together. I pray for finances just to pour forth through every person that gives. I pray for the staff that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that you would help them in this fight. I pray that this body of Christ would be a light, a beacon in this community, that whenever anybody hears about this church, that they're like, oh, you gotta go, those people love. Every time I walk on that campus, I feel love, I feel acceptance. God, would you bless this congregation for everything that they've given, for everything that they've done on behalf of everyone they support. God, I salute them. And I thank you that their prayers and their offerings have just risen up to you as a sweet, sweet memorial to you.
and that you remember every sacrifice that they've ever given. May you bless them, everybody that they support. And God, I just thank you. You could have been any kind of God you wanted to be, yet you chose to be the kind of God that loves recklessly without hooks, God, and I just thank you for that. May we just make you proud today by how we choose to live each and every day of our lives. We're all in, Lord, and we love you in your name. Amen. Did you guys enjoy Cheryl? Thank you. It sounded a lot like Cheryl Braden from Care Pregnancy Center, but it was the voice of God speaking to your heart this morning. So I hope you take that away from that, that the Holy Spirit translated whatever she said, and it blesses you in a way that only God can. We have a lot going on. There's a lot of tables to visit, a lot of missionaries to greet, and with the same passion that Cheryl has this morning. That's the passion she brings to friendship. So get to know her a little bit. Introduce yourself. You're her friend as soon as you say your name. And that is true of um, all the missionaries at the tables out there. Also, uh, when you get through visiting with missionaries, we have a free lunch, a barbecue. There's hot dogs and hamburgers and just a great time to sit together and enjoy a time with family. Um, I didn't mention it in the first service, but I want to mention it here. If you could appreciate a few people for me, that would be great. My missions leadership team worked hard for this. Somebody asked me if I was stressed, um, if this has been a busy week, and I said, uh, no, should I be? And then I looked at the faces of my missions leadership team and saw a little bit of stress at times. So I didn't have to because they did. That's Lynn Olson, Patsy Turner, Garrett Mays and Jerry Durker have worked hard to put this together this morning. They don't need your appreciation, but I would appreciate it if you appreciate them. All right, be blessed. If you need to talk to anybody, we will be up front to meet with you. Otherwise, enjoy the tables, the missionaries, and uh, enjoy lunch. Have a great day.